Once Upon a Time, the connection between storytelling and fundraising. Hi, I'm Bill Stajakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school. Joining me today is Alice Ferris. Alice is the founder of Goldbusters Consulting, a national fundraising and nonprofit management consulting firm, which led Alice to her recent presentation at the AFP Icon Conference in New Orleans, where she taught us about the connection between storytelling and fundraising. And Alice, delighted to have you with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate the invitation. This should be fun. And so, first of all, before you start telling us kind of the how, help us understand the why. What led you to this topic uh, to, you know, devote specific time to the connection between storytelling and fundraising? I think one of the things I really appreciate about storytelling is the ability to connect with people on a much more emotional level. And one of the things that we always talk about in the fundraising community and in people who do professional fundraising is that if people don't understand the story, if people can't connect with the story, then it's really hard for them to get engaged. And if they can't get engaged, then they don't necessarily want to support you. So as we think about how you communicate what you do in the nonprofit community, it's really important to be able to communicate that story so people can connect on a human level. And does this involve telling that story with quantifiable data, or are we talking about more the, you know, kind of stories of people and stories of community change that can happen through our nonprofits? Well, as uh, my favorite answer was in graduate school, it the answer is it depends. <laughs> and so when you think about storytelling, I think the first stage that you need to think about is who's the audience. And so when I'm approaching how I tell a story or why I tell a story or what the content is for my story, I really want to think about it from the receiver's perspective first. So one of the things that I've learned and built on over the years is something that my business partner, Jim Anderson, taught me many years ago, which is the values and lifestyle segmentation system. And while this was a program that was designed for commercial media and for commercial advertising, it really gets at the heart at what are the primary motivations of how people make decisions. So back to your question, if somebody is principal or ideals motivated and really wants the data, then I might include a lot of data in the story that I'm communicating to that person. If the person is a much more status or achievement driven person, then I might talk about what their role in the story is and what their part of making the success happen is. And if the person's really emotion or action driven, I might include more of the story about the personal impacts of people, whether it's the service recipient or the donor, or how does that person going to feel the donor? How is that person going to feel at the end? And that's those are the nuances in what I include in that story. So it could include data, it could include humans, it could include all of the above. Tailoring the story and the way the story is told based on the audience through values, lifestyle, segmentation. You gave us three categories there, and there, there could be more, but you gave us wonderful examples. As a fundraiser, how do I discern that? If I'm meeting you and you're the donor, prospective donor, how do I know your values, lifestyle, segmentation to help me frame that story? Yeah, that can be one of those things that is something you pick up on right away or it could be something that takes quite a bit of conversation to really suss out. And Jim's been living this model for decades, so he can figure it out really fast. I I take a little bit more time to, to understand what the nuances are. 
But realistically, the three things that that Jim has taught me and then I've subsequently taught other people in uh, the last several years is when you think about how they make decisions, someone who might be principle or ideals driven is going to make that decision based on what is good or what is right. You know, they have a very clear sense of right and wrong. And you have those people in your life, right, who who know exactly what the right thing to do is. They're the people who say should a lot. And I will admit I'm one of those. <laughs> Jim jokes that I should all over him all the time uh, because I know what you should have done, what you shouldn't have done, all these things. And so if you have that person who seems to be driven by that black and white or closer to black and white sense of right and wrong, then they probably are that principle oriented person. And that's where you might focus your story a little bit more. Um, for that person who's more role conscious, the status or achievement oriented person, they're going to answer things based on what looks good or what looks right. And that's not to say that they're vain or shallow. It's that they are conscious of where they are in the hierarchy of their life, whether that be family or professional or social, whatever that is. And they are conscious to behave in that way. So then if you hear that that have to kind of phrasing, you might think, okay, that person is more status or achievement. Or if you're in their office or their home and you see things like certificates or pictures with celebrities on their wall, then that might be an indicator that they're more that status or achievement driven person. And then if they're an action or emotion driven person, they'll say things that talk about their feelings a lot more. These are the people who make a lot of decisions based on gut feeling. So they're going to make decisions based on what feels good or what feels right. So you'll know pretty quickly if, if someone is that more oriented towards that action or emotion. And what you'll also notice is that based on the cause, your cause may skew towards one of these typologies. So for instance, I first moved to Flagstaff, Arizona in 1996 to become director of development for Lowell Observatory. And Interestingly enough, now they are a client of mine and have been for several years. But these are people, the donors to Lowell Observatory are people who generally are interested in science. And so they tend to skew more in that, th uh, that thinking piece, that uh, ideals or principles oriented. And one of the other organizations that we've worked with in the past have been animal rights organizations and humane societies. Those are people who feel a lot. You know, they see a animal and they're like, oh, I'm be with this animal. So it's very action or emotion driven. So you can tend to skew depending on your cause. And that often will help determine what the motivation is. Alice, this is so fascinating. If I'm understanding you correctly, it really seems to hearken to the importance of emotional intelligence for the fundraiser. Empathy, you know, curiosity listening more than talking, observing, asking those open-ended questions with active listening. Am I on the right track here that we're really talking about those types of intangible qualities of a fundraiser to be able to make these discernments? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the books that I am just about done with is a book that I'm really excited to have other fundraisers read or listen to. Uh, I'm actually listening to the audiobook, and I'm really enjoying it in an audiobook format, which is the book uh, How to Listen by Oscar Trimboli. And in it, he actually does interview a fundraiser in one of the chapters. And the person that he interviewed, I, I unfortunately can't remember her name at the moment, but she talks about 
listening for meaning, not listening for money. Mm. And that gets at that emotional intelligence thing that you're talking about, because she really was talking about, here's how I use those listening skills to figure out what's going to resonate with this person that I'm talking to and, and how can I help facilitate that? That is so good. Listening for meaning, not listening for money, because the meaning helps us tailor that request. Since fundraising in our school, the definition is the gentle art of teaching the joy of giving, and the art is tailoring that conversation to each and every individual donor. Alice, let me ask you, is it one story that then is adapted and contextualized to the different audiences, or in my satchel do I have different individual stories based on my audience? Yeah, that is one of those things that I often talk to relatively new fundraisers or volunteers, so board members or or the such, because they often are asking, what's the story I have to memorize? Mm. And that kind of gets at everyone's dreaded exercise of the elevator speech, right? <sighs> we have to do an elevator speech exercise, which means I have to know what I'm supposed to talk about. <laughs> And I try to avoid that because one of the things that I'd like to communicate to people who are either new to fundraising or trying to understand fundraising a little bit better is I don't want to have a canned story because if I have that canned story, it starts to become a bit rote and hmm. you start coming off as someone who's telling this canned story as someone who has a script that they've memorized and it's not really genuine. And particularly in our current culture and our current environment, I think it's far more important for fundraisers to be authentic to themselves as well as authentic to their cause, which is not to say that I don't have frameworks for stories, uh, because there are kind of a set grouping of stories that tend to be really useful for fundraising purposes. And I've, I've changed what my toolkit is over the years, um, because well, because I read a lot <laughs> and and sometimes I hear other concepts of the telling the story that I really say, oh, I like this idea. And one of the books that I read over the last few years is Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall. And in this book, she talks about four different types of essential stories. And I would say most of them are relevant for most organizations. And so I've I've kind of recategorized the stories that I talked to based on her four essential stories. The one that I think most people know for their nonprofit organization is their founder story. So this is getting at the history and the root cause of why does this organization exist? Now, obviously some people have founder stories that are really current and some people have ones that they haven't experienced themselves. And the thing that I like about the founder story and how she explains it in her book is that it really gets at the heart and soul of why your organization exists. It makes the mission and vision of your organization feel more human in many respects, because especially for institutions that are really, that have a long history, you sometimes forget that there was a person behind who founded this thing. So getting back to that story and being able to say, here's why this person did this, I think is, is a valuable thing to be able to communicate to donors and other audiences. The other kind of story that I like is 
in her book, she talks about the purpose story, which is different from the founder's story in that it explains the continued purpose of your organization. So this is about that impact. And this is the one that nonprofits love to talk about, right? We love to talk about, oh, here's this impact on this client. Here's this impact on this community. So that's the one that people tend to gravitate towards the most. Related to that is also the customer story, which you can, you know, change that to the constituent story. So that's your testimonial story. And, and I think amongst those stories, that covers most of the gamut of, of the types of stories that you need to tell. But one of the stories I think we we underuse is the idea of what's the connective tissue. It's the, here's the story of the current state, and here's the story of the future state, and how do we make that connection? What's the bridge between the current state and the future state? That's the story I don't think we tell, because in many respects, it's the, it's the fiction story. The other ones are more nonfiction, where you can say a testimonial story. You can talk about the history of your organization. You can talk about the current purpose. But the the thing that requires a little creativity is telling that bridge story. Now, she doesn't call it a bridge story, but she references it. And that's how I kind of think about it in my head, is that what's that story that gets you from the current state to the future state? So different types of stories that fundraisers need to have available, contextualized to their audience as different donors will want to receive stories in different ways, which again, why fundraising is an art, the gentle art of teaching others the joy of giving. Our guest is Alice Ferris. You can see why she is an in-demand speaker at AFP Icon and other national and international events as she leads after her founding of Goalbusters Consulting, uh, advising nonprofits on fundraising and other important nonprofit leadership and management issues. Here at the Fundraising School, we incorporate learnings on annual fund, major gift, capital campaign, planned giving, a wide range of fundraising, 22 courses in all that can lead to four different certificates. We also can bring this curriculum to you through our custom training programs just for your nonprofit, your association, your region. Uh, we can do this in person, online, in the United States, anywhere around the world. We also have our textbook, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising. The fifth edition is now out and is available on our website, along with information about our quarterly webinars, and these free podcasts. That website, philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Again, I'm grateful to our guest today, Alice Barris, our producers today, Jennifer Boffman and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Sanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm-hmm.